This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News, TalkSport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley for the final time in about two and a half months before he heads off on his latest odyssey to Europe for the Women's World Cup. We'll talk about that in a moment. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly, but off the top, while there's a heap to get through, we're of course going to kick off with the start of our A-League Grand Final preview with Fox Sports' Daniel Garb. Then, in a hectic week on the local scene, Ante Milicic has announced his squad for the Women's World Cup that Edge will be going to. We'll go through the squad in detail with our mate and Matilda legend, Joey Peters. Then we'll return to the grand final preview with our very own and very happy former Notts County man and 250-game veteran. And I'll add this week, not only of the Victorian Premier League, but a lifetime of supporting Derby, Dean Hennessy, to go through the decider of the domestic title, championship at least, in detail. In the second hour, as we always do, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest in Socceroos and Matilda Central. Then we'll chat to our old friend, Chief Football Writer with the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner, to wrap up a dramatic end to the English Premier League and look ahead to this weekend's FA Cup final and continue with the European action with Dino as we get stuck into the incredible championship playoffs, his famous Derby County. And we'll wrap it up with a special edition of Toppage Time with a mate of his from that very club, Pat Lyons from the Academy Coaching Staff, who was there at Elland Road and, of course, at Pride Park as his team advanced to the playoff final at Wembley. A Rams amazing night. Edge... Hi, Rob. Dino's a very happy man. He is, the Rams. Uh, they've uh, obviously got through to the uh, Wembley playoff against Aston Villa. It'll be a big task for the Rams to get over the Villa. Why so- is it every time, well, <laughs> it's going to be another hurdle? We've just turned Leeds over. <laughs> We've turned West Brom on, on the Four, last day as well. 4-2, eh? Mm, so, no, good. I'll tell you what, the boys were quality last night. A lot yeah. of news about, and Willem's got some in a moment, but a lot of news about, um, obviously we'll talk extensively about the Matildas, the squad, who's in, who's out, who missed out. So, um uh, looking forward to talking to Joe about that. Um, A-League Grand Final will dominate. But I, you know that I like to look at a few oblique things. Diff- well, you, this is your last you know, forum in the studio. Well, I know you're going to talk to us a lot while you're away. I was just sifting through the, the Australian Stock Exchange uh, announcements during the week, and I noticed Foxtel's. Foxtel uh, posted in 2018 a $417 million loss in 2018, and they have advised the Stock Exchange that they're looking to re finance their debt, which is totaling over almost 1.7 billion Australian dollars. So um, they also made some comments about in terms of saving uh, cost-cutting measures to mm. try and bring their cutting balance sheet back to order. Back, yes. And uh, what, what they called fringe sporting rights mm. uh, would be wound back and they expect to save quite a chunk out of that. So does that mean, reading between the lines, trouble for the A-League? Hopefully not. Um, I think it might. Yeah, that well, landscape's got... changing. That's, that's one to really watch, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out in listener land would uh, be shocked to hear of those two numbers. $417 million loss in 2018 mm-hmm. and a, a, a gross debt for Foxtel of uh, almost $1.7 billion. Over to you, Willem. you got the news. As you mentioned, Michael, the Matildas 23-woman World Cup squad has been announced, with 16-year-old Mary Fowler included in an otherwise vastly experienced squad. Kaya Simon was the biggest name to miss out as she continues to battle injury, although she will head to Turkey uh, on the training camp on standby. 
Lisa Devanna, Claire Polkinghorne and Lydia Williams have all been selected for their fourth World Cups. The Matildas, of course, kick off their World Cup campaign against Italy on the 9th of July. So, Edge, um, not a lot of surprises. We sort of half oh, expected Kaya Simon would be surprise. going. One surprise. There's one surprise for me. Mary um, Fowler? Uh, yes. Oh, no, no, because Kaya Simon was really uh, extremely outside chance because she'd battled with injury so much. But the one that's interesting is, um, is Minnie. Katrina Gorry, she mm. got selected mm. after having a syndemosis injury that's kept her on the sidelines since December. She hasn't played any football. And she took the place of Alex Chidiak, who's been um, playing not regularly, but uh, still performing okay in Spain. Um, so that was the probably that was the big toss. Um, we heard Ante Milicic talk during the week about form and fitness. Um, so obviously Katrina Gorry's been in, a, in an incredible rehabilitation program. Uh, she's been... Uh, really grafting away, and Alex Chidiak is probably the hard luck story out of everyone. Princess Sabini, um, uh, they've obviously gone for Mary Fowler over Princess Sabini. Um, I think that's a good decision, but we'll talk about all of this with Joey in a, in a little while. MacArthur FC has been unveiled as the A-League's 12th club, with Ante Milicic set to coach a side when it joins a competition in October 2020. MacArthur will play in a black and white strip, with ochre included in the badge, as a nod to the Darwal people on whose Indigenous land MacArthur sits. The side has been dubbed the Bulls, a nod to a runaway herd of cattle found in the area in 1795. Guys, I'm a big fan of this branding. I think it's bold, punchy, and it's not trying to encapsulate anyone with too broader terms. It's just, if you're MacArthur, you're you're a supporter of the side. And this obviously wouldn't have caught head office by surprise. Edge, everybody uh, would have known about this, that... Uh... And had extended yeah. his Matilda's contract, yeah, and it's absolutely. all been rubber stamped. Yeah, that's right. It's all, it's all dovetails nice, nicely for Ante. He's had a big week, hasn't he? Extended his contract uh, out to the end of the Olympic Games. He'll then go straight into MacArthur. But uh, well done on the branding. Uh, I thought the branding was superb. I thought the link to Governor MacArthur were well, one of the mm-hmm. initial settlers mm-hmm. in the region, and the Bulls is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Albeit it's not on the park, uh, but uh, MacArthur FC one, Western United nil in terms of branding and, and launch, uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned. Well so done, MacArthur. Very impressive. I agree. There was a landmark moment in Australian sport throughout the week, with Andy Brennan becoming the first male footballer to publicly come out as gay. Brennan, who spent time with Newcastle Jets and is currently at Green Gully in the Victorian NPL, described the announcement as a weight off his shoulders. I've, I suppose, carried this burden with me for so long about you know being gay, and now I've kind of come to the realisation that you know I can be open with it and speak to people about it and and it's okay so it's something that I've wanted to share with people who may be going through the same thing. It's amazing isn't it that in women's sport it's uh, an open issue doesn't seem to be any concerns whatsoever but uh, for men uh, it's still a uh, you know a watershed to to hear these sorts of stories when obviously there are a lot more gay men playing sport around the world. Yeah good on Andy, hope he uh, hope he's had fabulous feedback. I think all the news that we're hearing out of Andy's camp is, and the PFA is that he's just had uh, overwhelming support. So good on you, Andy. Uh, hope hope everything's great. And uh, being a Heidelberg fan, I hope uh, when you play against Heidelberg, you don't play, play well at all. <laughs> <laughs> Perth's Optus Stadium looks set for a sellout ahead of Sunday's A-League Grand Final between the Glory and Sydney FC. 46 of the 55,000 available tickets are said to have been sold, with a few days still to come before the match. Some Perth supporters have bemoaned the usual uh, the decision to remove the clash from their usual home, HBF Park, including one Bobby Despotovsky. Edge, what do we make of this? I had a chat to Bobby during the weekend. Uh... Is, he, is he kidding, Edge? I mean, seriously. They, you build a brand new stadium, you get to absolutely pack it out. The eyes of Australia will be on Perth, and they're going to play at, um, at the, the local uh, um, stadium. At, uh, surely well, Bobby's kidding, isn't he? 
Uh, now he's not because he wants them to win and he thinks that they're a better chance at... Uh, what, he doesn't think they're a better chance with 50,000 people barracking for him? Well, I think Can't the issue like is the surface and uh, it might be a bit of a leveller. Surface is uh, not that flash is what we've heard. So that's that's uh, it's just an interesting little bit of byplay. I'm sure Popovich will have it all you under control. You don't agree with him. I don't agree with Bobby, no, no but uh, I, didn't I did so. have a chat to him. <laughs> Wound him up a bit. He got going. <laughs> it was good. Look, um, I think... It will be a great occasion. I'm really looking forward to the television pictures. That yeah. stadium is what we is need to super. wrap up the, the, um, yeah. the year. It's, it's all just about a shame this. that uh, when they built that stadium, they couldn't uh, build it with some sort of configuration that was rectangular. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Roy Krishna has been awarded the Johnny Warren Medal for the best player in the A-League following an excellent campaign where his 19 goals also saw him win the Golden Boot. Melbourne Victory's Christine Nan became the first foreigner to win the Julie Dolan Award in the W-League, while Chris Economides and Ellie Carpenter took home their respective Young Player of the Year awards. I was pretty happy with all of the winners. What did we think? Mm. Roy Krishna, what a fantastic yeah, season. Thoroughly deserved. Uh, Diego Castro a bit stiff, do you think? No, he missed a chunk of games. I thought Krishna from yeah. Godaway was fantastic. Yeah. A couple of hat-tricks in there as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Krishna's been... He's got a fantastic backstory too, growing up in the village. I thought his mm. speech was really good. Um, and a big shout-out to a mate of Dino and I, Jeff Hopkins, Coach of the Year in the... Yeah, League. Jeffrey, well done. Well, well done. Uh, thank, you. thank you very much, mate. You're going to join us uh, at the top of the next hour for more news and... Good job uh, with them. More soccer is Matilda's... You got back in the first or you're still in the twos? No, uh, failing in the twos. Oh, come Flailing, on, rather. We depend yeah. on you to get up, mate. Yeah, well, not so good at the moment. That's right. Okay, <laughs> give us an update. Maybe your, um, you know, edge is a bit of an albatross around your neck and uh, when he leaves, <laughs> all that pressure will go off and you'll be uh, BOG next time you play. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon. Daniel Garb, Fox Sports, Daniel Garb. If there is a bloke who is across... The grand final more than he is. I don't know who it is. So we're going to talk to him about it all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, it was almost the grand final that didn't happen after last week's... uh, thrilling uh, preliminary finals where Adelaide just rose from the grave time and time again but ultimately Perth did manage to pull off the win uh, and the next day or two days later Sydney demolished uh, Melbourne victory a man who is across all the action in the A-League uh, week in week out is Fox Sports Daniel Garb we're going to preview the grand final throughout the show but uh, Daniel to kick us off uh, welcome back to the show mate. Thank you very much. We're looking forward to the weekend. I guess it's part of Grand Final Week. All the talk, all the build-up, doing different shows and the rest. It's, uh, mm. it's great to be on. Yeah, it's really getting a, a strong sense of um, of hype around it, isn't it? And mm. with that fantastic uh, kick-off time on Sunday afternoon, uh, yeah. um, the, 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 the well, probably not the newest stadium in Australia after the Bankwest Stadium recently opened, but uh, it's uh, it's a perfect setting. We're hopefully going to get a full house and. Uh, the, uh, the the two um, the two teams that have really been the dominant sides in terms of performance on the field throughout the entire uh, season over the past two years are going to face off. Yeah, it's all has come up trumps, hasn't it? I mean, it's just a, a perfect situation. You couldn't ask for anything more. I remember before the season started being over in Perth and um, speaking to Tony Sage actually on Optus Stadium ahead of the Glories game against Chelsea in pre-season where they had over 50,000 people and you know, they said then the glory, because there was a lot, obviously a lot of hype around the team and Tony Popovich and the players they'd recruited. And they said, look, in an ideal world, a long way to go, of course, but we'd play our semi-final at, uh, at HBF. And then, yeah, we'd love to play the grand final here. And that's how it's, it's worked out. And, and the Sunday time slot's perfect. Perth helps in that respect. It's, it's not too late for the fans over there to go, 4.30, so kids can go and 
and get back into bed before school the next day. Parents aren't under pressure. And um, it means that it's prime time in the East on TV. I guess the only people that are, you know, made to suffer a touch are Sydney fans because it's tough to get back to work on Monday. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. You can never please everyone. The airlines have also jacked up the prices and a first flight's expensive enough. But there's always going to be someone, unfortunately, that, um, that isn't uh, in the best situation. This time it's a Sydney fan, but plenty are going across as it stands. It promises to be just a wonderful night and a crowd of that magnitude, hopefully over 60,000, which would break um, the domestic football record in Australia, which uh, sits at just over 60 when Sydney and Western Sydney met in round one a couple of years ago, the start of the 2016-2017 season. That'd be another big mark as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing that awesome stadium. It really is. For mine, it's the second best stadium behind a packed MCG mm. in the country. Okay. Um, and uh, even though it's not perfect for football, the way that they've built it means that it, it still satisfies. Level one, elevated, it's steep. You'll get a great view wherever you sit. So cannot wait for it. Gabby, um, will the surface play any uh, role in the uh, the result? Um, we, we've heard the AFL clubs. I know you, you love your West Coast Eagles. The Eagles yeah. and uh, Dockers have been talking about the hardness of the surface. Um, what is? Do, do you have any opinion on whether the surface will have a role to play in the outcome of the game? Um, they say that it's a, you know a little bit bouncier, um, so the ball might bounce a bit more, but you know it, it'll be pretty slick, I think. That can help quite often a good football game um, in terms of the pace of it. Yeah, they say that it, it hurts the players' legs afterwards and the Eagles have suffered some foot injuries, but that's, uh, I think, a, a situation that's occurred over time. I think playing one game in isolation yeah. is not going to affect the players too much. The Glory have had a light training session on it. I dare say Sydney will as well. I, that's not going to cause injuries, is it? So I don't think it'll have too much of an impact, to be honest. Garvey, it's Dino here. Um, welcome again to the show. Um, what's your thoughts on the lineups from possibly the last game they've, they stepped out, obviously, in those finals? Uh, do you think there's going to be much change from the two starting lineups? No, I'd imagine it would be exactly the same for both teams. I think both sides' names, you know, their ideal 11s. You know, the one surprise that Steve Corica sprung was starting Alex Brosk, having missed a month of football for the semi final. But you can see why he did that, because he's a leader and he wanted him for a big game. I dare say he plays Alex Bross from the start again to inspire his side, club captain, to lead the team out. And the glory team is very settled. Neil Kilkenny was the concern, but uh, he played last week and uh, he's been up front in front of the media this week. So there's obviously no after effects of his, of his ankle problem. So I'd say the two sides, as they line up in the semi-finals, they'll start the final at Optus on Sunday. Now, just obviously to the coaches, obviously uh, being a coach myself uh, once upon a time, uh, now a technical director, but of course your job. Um, Steve Corrick has had a fabulous uh, first season. Obviously, it's a whole different ball game being in charge in a final when you're on there, on well, not on your own with also your backroom staff, but uh, Tony Popovich has got experience in this level. You know, Do you think there'll be a few mind games being played? Not really, to be honest. You know, in the past, there has been with coaches like Arnold and Musket, but that's the way they operate. Tony Popovich doesn't really play mind games, does he? I mean, he just no. worries about his own team. He's, he's not up for that sort of stuff in, in the media. Um, he doesn't worry about getting into other coaches' heads. Nothing wrong with doing that, but it's just not Popper's style. And it's not Steve Corica's style. Um, you know, he's, he's quiet, and perhaps that's why a lot of Sydney fans were a little bit underwhelmed when he was named as the Sydney FC coach and a bit concerned that maybe he didn't, possess the aura, if you like, to run this football club. Well, haven't they been proven wrong? 
And sometimes it's not always what meets the eye that makes a successful coach. It's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And you know what? I think the way that Steve Corica presents in the press probably sums up the quality of his job in his first season in the sense that he's had to show a lot of humility. He hasn't come out and tried to stamp his authority on the team and change things to prove that he can, you know, modify things that shows he's, he's got ideas that no one else saw. He kept things simple. And you know what? Sometimes that's the smartest thing of all, to not change something that's a winning formula. He made uh, little modifications here and there and tinkered with the odd thing here and there. But ultimately, it's the same formation and the heartbeat and the nucleus of the team is the same. And he's kept them motivated and he's kept the quality up and brought in some good players like Adam LaFonda, of course, who's made such a big difference to that team. I think he's just done an excellent job. FFA Cup final, second in the league, now the grand final, against expectations, I guess. Um, brilliant. So he's not the kind of guy that's going to come out and say anything in the press to, to lay a few barbs. And we've seen from Tony Popovich over the years, he doesn't do that either. So just mutual respect from guys who grew up playing together, what, in the, in the joeys, um, you know, many years ago for the... Uh, Young Australian teams. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Fox Sports Daniel Garb, proud WA boy, uh, head of the, the grand final. And I say that, Daniel, because this will complete uh, the hat trick of three of the top, if not the top, sporting cards in Australia with the Eagles and, uh, mm. um, and the, uh, the basketball, the Wildcats. Uh, mm. Who would have thought that uh, you know, when the uh, A League first started, the Glory were one of the blue ribbon sides? Uh, of the mm. new competition, they were the template for for what the new competition looked like, and uh, you know they've only had uh, that uh, that 2011-12 uh, grand final loss against Brisbane, um, and uh, would have expected to have more silverware on the mantelpiece by now. Yeah, they would have, but you know sometimes timing can be unfortunate um, in life and unfortunate in sport, and you know the Glory were an, an A-League team before the A-League was formed. That's what they were. They were a, a group and a club that did not have any ethnic divides or ethnic backgrounds. Not that there was anything wrong with that. That was the heartbeat of a lot of um, NSL teams, of course. But the glory came in saying, we're the team for Perth. doesn't matter if you're Italian or Greek or English or Macedonian or Serbian. Come and support our club. And you know what? They did. And they had wonderful owners who were ambitious and bold and invested in the team and recruited the right people, be they um, you know, CEOs or coaches or players. And everyone worked together and functioned wonderfully well. And they were an absolute juggernaut. When the A-League came about, unfortunately, um, that had all run dry. The owner at the time, Nick Tarner, didn't have any more money to put into the club. He couldn't do it anymore. So the club was run you know, by the smell of an oily rag. I remember the first A-League game for the glory. I'll never forget it. The pre-game entertainment was a bloke strumming his guitar in, in the middle of the pitch. Mm. And that, that was a far cry from the... Um, cheerleaders and singers and fireworks that used to go off before home games. And I thought, what has happened to this club? Then they get the coach wrong with someone like Steve McMahon who just doesn't understand the, the culture of the team and makes some mistakes with signings and comments that he made and that gets the fans offside and it just spiralled out of control from there, really. Um, now they've got it back on track. Tony Sage had some problems, no doubt, made some mistakes. He's realised those errors. And look at where this club is right now. And he's recruited the right people, landed the right coach, got the right players. That was the hallmark of the glory of old. And those glory days are now officially back after a few false dawns. Gabby, Chris Economides has resuscitated his Socceroos career at Perth Glory. It's almost been such a perfect place for him to go and uh, perform and showcase his talents. There's a couple of other ex-Socceroos there that um, 
in my view, are playing so well that they'd have to be considered again. One of those is Jason Davidson. Do you think his season has warranted the op- opportunity to, to be looked at again by Graham and the, the, the senior selectors at the uh, FFA? No doubt, because the next Socceroos game against South Korea, you can almost guarantee will be predominantly an A-League squad. We've all been informed that you know he's not going to pick European players for that. He's going to allow them to rest a bit more, have some time off, and he'll pick A-League players and some of the fringe players for that squad. So if you look at the A-League players, it wouldn't surprise if guys like you know, Economides will definitely be in. He was at the Asian Cup. But someone like Shane Lowry, yep. someone like Neil Kilkenny and Jason Davidson, the star Australian performers in this Perth Glory team, will probably all be in the mix and will get um, looked at very closely. And I'd be shocked if at least two of those three aren't in the Socceroos squad for that game against South Korea. So that'll definitely be forthcoming for mine. Garby, with your background, obviously, uh, covering football over in Europe for many a year and... The last two weeks, uh, especially the week before, but this week as well. You're not we... going to stick the boot in no, no. Liverpool, are you? No, not sticking the boot. <laughs> I'm just saying I can't believe, I can't remember any better two weeks of football with drama yeah. in week one and in week two, even with the A-League, with the Perth Glory, Adelaide game joining in. I thought it was unbelievable two weeks. Yeah, right up there. I can't recall anything. We do often get caught up in the moment and someone will say oh, what about this year four years ago and go, oh yeah I forgot about that but <laughs> I mean I don't think there's been anything because of you know, the proximity um, to the clubs that have been involved I mean there's so many Liverpool fans in Australia so we have that direct connection even if you're not a Liverpool fan you know someone who is so it involves you in, in a direct way doesn't it um, or indirect way same with Spurs being involved uh, in that dramatic semi and then of course Australia holds up its end of the bargain with that incredible Adelaide-Perth uh, semi-final. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's been involved. And then you have the Premier League title race at the same time. Vincent Company's wonder strike that happened a few days before all that. And then, of course, the Premier League final day, which may not have had the dramatic uh, ending, but it was still an evening of football that was absorbing, whichever way you looked. So, yeah, I, yeah, you're probably right. I can't remember one in recent times where it's just been so epic one night to the next. And even Tony Abbott's old mate Mike Yednack stepping out in the penalty shootout for Villa. Yeah, that was exactly, fantastic. Exactly, and, there you go. You forget a couple of big games like the championship playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Daniel, mate, you're always generous with your time and we love your colour. Um, enjoy going back uh, home to uh, to celebrate a grand final and uh, whatever will be, will be. Hopefully it'll be a, a wonderful game for everybody and uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll just get the grand final that we're, we're all uh, anticipating. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave the A-League season... Uh, um, on a high for for uh, for football and and look forward to the the, the season ahead with uh, with the new uh, Western United uh, club coming into the competition. Yep, spot on. Can't wait for it. Thanks for having me on, boys, and uh, thanks for pumping it up. It'll be a, a great night. Thanks, right. Garby. Fox okay, Sports. Thanks, all. Daniel Garb, one of the best in the business. Absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, flip over to the Matildas because the squad was announced this week. Uh, a few surprises, always disappointed players whenever that happens. Uh, Joey Peters, the Matilda legend and friend of our program, is going to join us. That is after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. We are just a couple of weeks away from the excitement of another World Cup. And this time, it's the kind of World Cup we really like because the Australian team, the Matildas, are a genuine chance of going all the way. And a lady who is on the edge of a seat, absolutely pumped for it, is our very own Matilda legend, Joey Peters. 
How excited are you? Guys, I, I tell you, last uh, last time I talked to you guys and I remember I was just so nervous as to, you know, the unknown of what's, what was going to be before us with this journey of the World Cup. But looking at this squad, when that was named, I mean, you, I just, yeah, the excitement kicked in then because this group of players are something special individually and then what they can do as a team, um, I'm... Yeah, hold on to our seats, guys, because I'm 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 getting I'm getting excited. Get on your <laughs> so, so we're just three weeks away, 22 days uh, uh, from the the opening match. Um, the the squad you've already you know said that um, that the announcement of the squad um, filled you with confidence. Uh, um, we're we're moving forward in the anti Miller Chichira. Um, what what are the big surprises to you and um, and perhaps even uh, uh, you know some of the uh, the unlucky players to miss out, Joey? Look, uh, well, for sincere congratulations to all of these. Every single player in there has, you know, has deserved their spot, has earned their spot. Um, you could still say, I mean, the the, the big shock for me um, was that Mary Fowler was included. You know, not having many opportunities with the Matildas, but obviously enough. And, and probably that was interesting bringing Milicic in so late so he's been obviously looking at players not only in the international matches but in the training environment so he would have seen more of Mary Fowler um, than perhaps we would because we're still although she's although she performed really well when we went over to Europe for those couple of games and she almost scored a goal against France where we got absolutely taught a lesson and she was one of the shining lights to come on I still feel like you know someone so young to be involved in a World Cup. I mean, this is the culture now that we're starting to talk about in Australian women's football, that we are still heavily excited about young talent. So um, Mary Fowler, yeah, is she good enough to be there? Um, Ante obviously thinks she is. A lot of other people think she is. And for me, I think it's the wrong conversation. Perhaps it's a conversation for another time, but I feel like um, I I just want to see Mary have a long, long successful career. So I, I just hope that we're not rushing her into the adult professional world that is women's football now. It's 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 changing at such a pace for for young players. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, perhaps that's for another conversation. But I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about Mary. Yeah, I think uh, I mean it's a really interesting one because um, we know Joey, you've spoken extensively about. Uh, the development pathway for female footballers and, and young female footballers, and, um, and and some of them are allowed to sort of develop and incubate in um, in lesser leagues rather than throwing them into the the world spotlight. So she's had a um, an interesting journey, hasn't she? I mean, the the family fell fell out with the with the program at at some point, and uh, then she was after Ellen Stagic moved on. She was um, wooed back into the fold. Uh, she had a very good tournament in the. Um, the young Matildas uh, Asian Cup qualification program. So time will tell. I did note Ante's comments where he said it was more of a, uh, a look to the future and uh, allowing her to experience the whole event and be a part of it. Um, I personally don't have high expectations that she'll play a lot of minutes. Um, hopefully she gets a run at some point. But it, it, the whole development pathway for um, the very young players who seem to get uh, blooded in the Matildas is a very interesting one because we've seen Ali Carpenter, you know. I mean, Ali uh, played as a 16-year-old as well and she's been a mainstay of the team, but um, she seems to have come through that uh, despite some wobbles at different times. It, it is 
It is an interesting discussion, isn't it, Joey? It is. Um, yeah, and Ellie Carpenter, again, like I said, the, our culture at the moment really values the young player. So that's, and, and yeah, on the one side of the argument perhaps is that, you know, if they're, if they're good enough, they're old enough. Well, you know, how good can a 16-year-old be in a professional uh, adult environment? I guess we'll see. Like you said, um, she might not get many minutes, Um Ellie Carpenter is certainly getting a lot of minutes and she's already, perhaps you could say, in this particular team, has had the most experience of, uh, in, in um, the recent internationals. So she is getting um, a lot of experience as a young player. She's only 19 I, I, years of age, Ellie, and she's played 31, 31 games. Yeah, so see, I, I just, I, you know, the thing that worries me is, yes, yeah, you know, they might be good enough now, but are we actually blooding them for... for and this is where we've got to bring in Kai Simon. Now, this is a sad, sad story, guys, because she mm. is still battling with injuries now when she should be at her prime. Is she 27, was yep. she? Yep. This is the time we want players in their prime, and this is where I feel like America has got it all over the world, and that, all over the rest of the world. Europe's catching because they're turning into adult professional leagues as well. Um, but America have been able to be world champions for so long because they have this college system underpinning their national team setup. So they have college, they have kids that not not going into the national team at 16, they're going to college at 18 through to 22, very important developmental period where they need to somewhat protection from the adult professional world, if you get what I'm coming from with that. So then they come through 22 where they've done most of their growing being protected, um, being allowed to just be a kid sometimes and grow up a bit. Um, so they're coming into the national team very mature and they've got players that are in their mid-20s and at the prime of their life. Unfortunately, Kai Simon is an example where we've got players, when they get into the prime, what should be their prime years, are broken. It's no good, is it? Uh, this is Box to Box and we are talking to Joey Peters, Matilda Starr about the Women's World Cup, which is only three weeks away, Michael. Um, I know you are the resident expert. On, well, I wouldn't on say I'm the resident expert. Well, I've just obviously... Well, yeah, you are the resident expert in this room at the very least. Yeah, so you know a hell of a lot more than well, we're all the rest learners, of us aren't we? I don't know if there's any experts here, guys, but we're all learning and we're all just passionate about this mm. place and we have these uh, opinions and obviously research deeply into it. But, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts around this? Oh, I'm turning I was really interested, Joey... <laughs> Joey, I was really interested in, obviously, um, Ante said that it was all about form and fitness, but Katrina Gorry got in. I think she hasn't played since December. She's had the syndemosis injury. And I, I am assuming that she got a, a nod ahead of Alex Chidiak. So what are your thoughts on that selection, considering um, she's missed a lot of football? We haven't seen much of a have we? But hopefully Ante did, especially in the recent USA tour. He must have seen enough of her to sense that she was on the up because, yeah, as you said, it was Chidiak that missed out. Um, very unfortunate for her. A Amy Harrison, I thought, was fortunate. Um, but you, I guess you you have to take um, one of those and or two. You know, he had to take, obviously, as many as he could in that midfield um, region. So uh, Chidiak, unfortunately, missing out there. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like Milicic said, um He's going off people being fit, so that must be a fantastic sign that Katrina Gorry is getting fit because she uh, she will add just that little bit. Yeah, she's no greater, isn't she? For us. 
Yeah, and, and, and if you're going to put up against Chidiak, then yes, I'll take Gorry because of, of her experience. I think Chidiak's still young. I mean, would she be at the next World Cup? Yes, but that's, again, I don't believe in blooding young players and from learning experience so that they can learn at this World Cup for the next World Cup. I just, I feel like everyone needs to earn their spot there and um, experience has got to be uh, one of the strengths of a player being picked. And speaking of experience, Emily Gilnick uh, has been one of the former Matildas in recent times. Now, there, there was a, a story written this week, a, a really, I think, a little bizarre story around uh, um, the way Emily found out that she was in, in the squad. Now, uh, let's get back and remember that Emily missed out on selection uh, for the, the Matildas uh, Olympic campaign in Rio. But um, it was her birthday on the night um, that she took the phone call. And Vito Basile, the team manager... He teased her when he rang her by initially making her believe she'd missed out on the World Cup squad. What do you know about that? It just seems a bit bizarre to me. Are you serious? I feel a bit yeah. silly now because I thought I watched uh, that phone call, but I must have missed the first yeah. bit. I feel like I watched the next bit where she was in on it. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I thought that would have been Ante's job. I mean, I don't know about you. If I was the coach of the Matildas, I'd be wanting to call up my players and, and let them know. Um, but... If it was here, a prank, I'd hate, I'd hate to think. Well, that. I'm going from the what, quote in, in my, my, Michael Lynch's article. She says, uh, I was almost in devastation. And then he changed his tune again. And then it was good news. He said, like, how do I think I've been going lately? What's my performance? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but I've been doing yeah. all right. And uh, and then he, he said he makes it feel like, look, this is always a hard phone call, a hard decision. I just thought if, if it's <gasps> if the way Michael wrote the article... That's not a very funny practical joke in my book. No, Vito, look, um, and, Vito oh needs to speak for himself here, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. We can't talk to that, but um, I know that, you know, on, 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 I watch American Idol and they do things like that, pretend <laughs> that they have a kitchen and then they do, but I don't think we need that in an Australian women's team, no. do we? Hey, Joey, there is some great stories in the team. Um, I mean, obviously, Hayley Rasso's story of uh, the back injury and recovery is well documented, and um, I think she's a, an A-grader, and I think she's in for a... If she's fit, she can explode in this uh, this tournament and do really well. Uh, one player who's um, an older player going to her first World Cup, who's been around a long time, very controversial omission in, in 2015, was Avi Lewick. So very happy that Avi's uh, uh, been given an opportunity. That, that's right, and that's why I say um, you can't buy experience. Now, with, with uh, Ivy, obviously she hasn't been to a World Cup, or sorry, so she she missed out 15. Yeah, she missed she out. She hasn't been to one prior? No, no, she hadn't been to one prior, no. <gasps> See, I would have thought Ivy's been around that long. I thought she would have um, been. So this is her first World Cup. Yeah, this is her first World Cup. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get, that, that's amazing. And again, I 31 years of age, experience. Yeah. yeah, 31 years of age. See, she's still got experience. Okay, not at a World Cup, but she has been around the world. She And, and the best part is she probably knows that she's not really going to be in a starting lineup. although she, you, you know that, you know, any game that we that we need someone, you know, to cover for any uh, of our sixes in the midfield position, she even centre-back, yeah, even centre-back, right. yeah. that's where you want your experienced players on the bench. She's going to be wonderful around that team. Almost just, you know, even if she's not going to be starting again, that supportive role that is so crucial on the bench, she's almost going to be the captain of the of the squad. You know what I mean? Um, for that, for those bench players. Um, 
So, you know, that that's a fantastic... She's going to be a fantastic for the team. All right, Joey. Well, it's all getting very real now. Just um, three weeks away from the opening game for Australia against the 15th-ranked Italy. Uh, you just uh, keep on uh, getting more and more excited and, um, and we'll talk to you... Uh, well, perhaps um, either side of that game, and um, well, maybe afterwards, and we'll we'll bask in hopefully some uh, some good news. Oh wow! Yeah, there's so much to talk about, guys. All right, we'll have to leave it there then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> fun, Joey. Guys. Mate, you just enjoy it. It's fantastic times uh, for not only football, um, women's football, but uh, but for football in general. And um, and the yeah. Matildas will be you know right in the middle of the spotlight uh, in a few weeks' time. So, Joey, great to talk to you again. We'll uh, we'll have a chat to you in a few weeks' time. Good on you guys. Fantastic. Enjoy France Day. <laughs> Will do. Joey <laughs> Peters, Matilda Legend. We're going to come back to the AE League Grand Final after the break. Dino's going to pop back into the studio and we're going to break it down and we're going to make our selections to see who we think is going to win the championship title for the 2018-19 season in the A-League. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We've talked to Daniel Garb to give us the colour. But now we want some analysis of this grand final. But before we do, I had my Chemist Warehouse flu injection on Monday. It was a very uh, little prick in my left arm. What, what are you laughing at? Okay, come on. Let's be serious here, gentlemen. This is a serious topic because it can take three weeks before your flu shot begins to Did protect you. Did you have any adverse reactions to that little prick in your arm, Rob? No, I have more an adverse reaction to your juvenile response to what I just said. <laughs> I'm up against the flu this season with a flu shot from Chemist Warehouse. Did you have any swelling associated with it? No, I didn't, Michael. Are you writing your own material here? Is this, uh, you know, Michael Angelis' comedy show? show, though, isn't it? It's yeah. his last show for a while, yeah. so he's just trying to get all the one little one-liners he never gets. <laughs> well done, Nigel. It's quick, convenient and affordable, plus you don't need to bring in a script. The prescription and administration are provided on-site by a qualified health professional. This year, the quadrivalent strain is only twelve ninety-nine. Where at, Dino? Chemist Warehouse. Exactly. Save journey time between the chemist and the GP. Simply book your appointment, pay online and turn up. Be confident and arm yourself with a flu vaccination. When I had um, my flu shot, I, I did get a little bit of swelling in my arm, um, mm. but it's all gone away now. That's oh, good news. Good news. I won't get the flu. No, you won't because... Um, A-League Grand Final, Dean. You go on to Chemist Warehouse, Dean, yes. Yes. A-League Grand Final. A-League Grand Final this week. It's it's going to be a good one. What are you one. looking forward to? I mean, what are you looking forward to? I think the two best teams have got there. Um, yeah, I agree with that. You know, it was one and two. Uh, a victory, you know, there and thereabouts, but... I think the the last week Not six last week. one oh well, I mean that's you know I'm looking forward to a sea of purple, a sea of purple. Perth, break the record. It'd be fantastic to break the it record. Would be Sixty thousand. It would it would be a good tonic. Still got a little the, way to go. I think forty eight thousand at the moment. But it'd be so. a good tonic for the league to to go out with a real big mm. bang, to then see the new team coming in next year, and then all of a sudden we've got something we can build on because it needs it. Really Dino's just given us an update that the uh, um, the uh, crowd crowd is countable seats sold already fifty thousand. So you'd think from fifty. Yeah, I think you get the walk-ins. Be plenty of walk-ups. If they have hey, been a bit reasonable with a flight, before we have it anyway. before we um, delve into the final, just a reflection on um, way back to last Friday. Incredible um, 
unbelievable uh, semi-final result for Perth over Adelaide. And we must pay tribute to Marco Kurtz and his mm. charges from Adelaide, who went in there as rank underdogs against the high-flying Perth. They did well a fabulous did, how job. How well did he coach? Extremely well. And it tactically how measured was, very good. was it? Yeah, mm. superb. I mean, someone's going to have to pick him up. Well, I think he's going home to Germany, I think so he says. But, uh, I mean, he's he's been outstanding, considering the restrictions at Adelaide, which are yeah. fairly significant. But I think this was in place as well. I mean, it was a quality game. Mm. It was a really good A-League game. There was plenty of goals. I mean, there's 3-3 after extra time, then went to penalties, another five, four, so another nine goals. But both teams, and, and again, it, it just fell back into what we've been talking about, the theme of this whole show, is this two weeks of football just being berserk. Mm. And it was great that Australia jumped in on it mm. and said, you know what, we'll have a little bit of this. We'll start to make it look like like what's been happening in Europe. Because it was, it was you, like the 90, 104 minutes scoring a goal. And the one that... Um, Michael Moroni on 115, but it was the one on 94, Ryan Kitter, right at the death. Yeah, they got them. That brought it like yeah. into the extra time. I mean, just incredible game. Fantastic game. So well done, Adelaide. Um, so Perth got through, but what about the embarrassment of the weekend? Mel- Melbourne victory. They went up to Sydney and copped a hiding. Yeah, they were. They, they were beaten in every facet of the game. They never looked like at any stage. It's un, it's un, it's unlike. I would love to get Kevin on and talk it's about an it. Un, but, it's a, but it's very on Melbourne victory. Very much yeah, on yeah. Kevin Muscat because you know they didn't really fight either too much. No, they didn't. Well, yeah, they, I mean, well, didn't right from the go. I'm sure they were you know, the first goal but went it was, in three minutes. Well, but that Alex Bross goal um, was a, a worldie. You know, it was a, that nice sort of uh, side legged. Could not have been kept. And then the Broxham own goal was just chaotic was going it? into yeah. half time, wasn't it? Broski, you know, he's been out, I don't know, two, three weeks, whatever it's been, and then it's just come straight back in. Corico's going, he's got to play because we've got to get him in the final. Mm. And um, again, leads the line really well. And I think this will be the, the final this week. It's going to be really, there's a back three playing for Perth Glory based on what was happening last week. And obviously, Sydney FC have a back four. It's going to be... But they both play with two up front, so it's going to be really, really interesting who wins them pits. Because I think, you know, with economy and also Keo. Keo's wise, but I like economy. He's been quality all year. And then on the flip side, you've got Broski and Lafondra that have both got... You know, one's got... Well, both have got pace, actually. And De Jong. And De Jong. I mean... And Cap, well, they've got Castro. <laughs> That's right. So, wait, I mean, before so, we go ahead, I mean, what have you guys got to say about your selection last week? Because uh, if I do yeah, recall I, correctly, I, I went, you both did tip victory to I beat did. Sydney, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Rob didn't know. No, I didnn't. No, I think no. I did Sydney FC. <laughs> Well, well, that's why you won it. You see, you won the A League. Still in form, aren't so, so, Yeah, well, so you just can't, can't let it go, can you? That Even when form. we're previewing the grand final, he's got to, he's <laughs> got to stop us from talking <laughs> about the most important match of the well, entire season. Your opinion. No, no, I to bring us back it was a to very that. good tip. Well done, Rob. Congratulations, Roberto. Now we let's got talk about everything. Though, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> There's contests everywhere, isn't there? Um, there is. You know. Uh, Ryan Grant and Jason Davidson. Uh, there's going to be so much to look forward to in this uh, match. Uh, and 
Kilkenny, O'Neill, and Brillante. Yeah, yeah, Kilkenny and O'Neill will yeah. be going at each other. Yeah. Um, it, it, look, there'll be a lot to look forward to. Great firepower in both teams. Uh, I really think um, that uh, this game will be a lot closer than people anticipate. I know Perth is the final, the favourite. They have to be because they're at home in their home city. Uh, but I think this game is going to have lots of twists and turns, and it's a bit of a toss of the coin for me. I'm saying Perth at home only because it's home, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sydney got the choice. But Popper's got the grand final hoodoo, though. But he's got he does, he does. And, yeah. and they nearly threw it away last week as well. They did, mm. didn't only they? Only yeah. by the skin of the teeth. Yeah. Of I the just think them at home, they're, they're at home. Um, having said all of that, I'm not surprised if Sydney get over the line, but I'm tipping Perth. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to tip Sydney FC. Hmm. Out on a limb. Just Brandon yeah. O'Neill was good last week. He was. He's a good player. He's a good he player. Really He's good got. Player. He, he could play championship. Yeah, really good player. I reckon. Yeah, look, I think we're in for a cracking multi-goal grand final, and it will go to extra time. But I think Perth will win, and Diego Castro will be the hero. Sort of destiny so, so, written. So Rob and Edge on there, and I'm going over on Sydney. Okay, it's very interesting. Okay. All right, gentlemen, <laughs> we'll stick around because after the break we've got a big, big next hour. Socceroos Central. Matilda Central, Rob Tanner, Europe, and Paddy Lyons from Derby County next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving at Welcome back to Box the Box, second edition news shortly with Willem Van Dander and our mate Rob Tanner from the Leicester Mercury to talk about the big end to the football season over there in Europe. Stoppage time. We're looking forward to stoppage time because we've got a special guest organised by Dino, Pat Lyons, the academy coach, under-23s coach of the Derby County football side. How many under-23 players, Dino, were in uh, the team that played Leeds uh, yesterday? Right, from 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 yeah, the actual that had been um, out of his program. Do yeah, you know? Do you know? Uh, yeah, Bogle. One. Yeah, one. Okay. Mm. But they were a relatively young side, though. And oh, they are a young right. side. I mean, the, the loanees they brought in—they're like 17, 18, 19, mm. and twenty. Well, what do you got for us, William? Got it, Rob. Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. Join the Oliroos in Thailand as they look to qualify for the twenty twenty Olympics with the Green and Gold Army. There were goals aplenty for our Matildas in the US, with Sam Kerr's double ensuring Chicago Red Stars accounted for North Carolina courage. Ellie Carpenter set up Caitlin Ford's volleyed goal as Portland Thorns defeated Orlando Pride 3-1 away, even after Ford missed a later, a later penalty and a chance for a second goal. A third Aussie, Hayley Rasso, continued her comeback from injury by playing the second half. Chloe Legazzo also continued to prove her fitness, playing 66 minutes in a 3-2 win, although of some concern was Alana Kennedy, who was kept out of action with a quad injury. And Tamika Yallop bagged a brace in Norway as her second-placed Klepp won 5-0. For the gents, we're going to start in Korea, where Adam Taggart has scored his fifth goal in 11 for Suwon Blue Wings. Suwon defeated Jeju 3-1, with Alexander Yovanovic also playing the full 90 for Jeju. Now, it won't cost much to get Taggart from Suwon to Busan for the next Socceroos camp. I'm happy to pull that out of my own pocket, so Graham Arnold or the FFA, call me up. Get that man in camp. Willem, you like Adam Taggart, I do don't like you? him. Yeah, How absolutely. much do you love him? Have you got a man crush on him? I absolutely do, yeah. I loved him. I picked him out when he was 19 at the Jets. I thought, geez, this guy's got something. Well, he had that unbelievable... Celebrated him through to the golden boot. 18 or 19 goals, golden yeah. boot. There was big expectations. What happened to Adam after that? Oh, just the body, I think. When he's on the pitch, he scores. Too many tattoos, you reckon? Yeah, well, it's been a bit of time <laughs> in the chair. Al <laughs> Mabil is finishing his season as emphatically as he started it netting his sixth for the campaign. Bill's 10 assists and a trip to the Asian Cup were features of his stellar domestic campaign with Michelin. 
Dani Vukovic's Genk have wobbled as they approach the end of their championship round in Belgium. They lost 3-2 to Club Bruges and now lead by just three points with two games to play as they chase their uh, first title since 2011. And finally, Matt Leckie's season has ended prematurely due to an ankle injury, which just about sums up his campaign, having really played at full fitness for Berlin. Yeah, Matt Leckie, uh, it's interesting. Uh, there was a bit of a rumour that he was going to leave Herder because uh, he had a bit of a testy relationship with the coach, but the coach is gone, and um, and I understand he'll be signing a new contract soon. So uh, Matty Leckie's uh, love affair with the Bundesliga will continue. Over to the UK, where anti-racism body Kick It Out has apologised to Brighton and Hove Albion after they insinuated the sacking of manager Chris Hewton was linked to his race. Hewton was dismissed following Brighton's 17th placed finish in the Premier League, with Troy Townsend of Kick It Out declaring efforts to improve... Now, this is Andros infant. Townsend, sorry, this is his father. father. Yeah. yeah, Troy Townsend. He's claimed that efforts to improve black and ethnic representation are now at worse than square one. However, Kick It Out has now apologised for the impact the comments have made on the club's reputation, so a bit of an ugly one. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty straight up and down football issue, this one. We're not hearing anything. We'll talk to Rob Tanner about sure. it. Sure, no, that's um, but, um, racism. Yeah, sure. it's, uh, it's, it, unfortunately, for, for, for issues like that, which are you know well, well and truly you know alive around the world, it undermines the um, the story when um, when people just take. Um, pot op- shots. Op- yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Pot shots when um, there when is too few there. though. There is, there is too few. few. Oh, that's true. There, there is too yeah. few. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who I'd love to have on the show um, is Darren Lewis. He he's he's a yeah, great Darren, spokesperson. Yeah, Darren's pretty strong yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, for uh, yeah, you, you know, and, and our listeners would know him from um, obviously from so Fox Sports. You, I, I agree with you, Dino. There is too few coloured coaches in the Absolutely. English game, at least anyway. Yeah. Manchester City could be facing a ban from the UEFA Champions League with UEFA's financial regulators looking into their transfer activity. The investigation is being led by former Belgian Prime Minister Yves Leterme and will suggest the English champions should sit out a season of the Champions League after financial fair play breaches. City would have the right uh, to appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport Usually where there's smoke, there's fire, but that doesn't mean the right penalties are often put in place. Now, I want to ask you at this edge, because according yeah. to my reading on this one, Yves uh, Leterme has the uh, unilateral power to, to make the decision on this. There's, there's no grip. so um, There is an appeal process, but yes, um, he can. And um, I think this, uh, if you read the New York Times article, which mm. was a very, very good article, uh, Manchester City are in a bit of trouble here. Um, and I do you think it does? does it, I actually does it, expect this will blow quite quite big. Does it cast a pall over the, the the Premier League title? Um, well, if you delve into the fair the financial fair play rules and regulations of the appropriate professional leagues, uh, they're pretty complex. Um, so hmm. just explain it in brief. My understanding is that by um, inflating certain costs, sponsorships in this case, uh, that um, that losses can be um, undervalued uh, when when losses well, that the, well, the club financial has incurred, fair play system um, is, is primarily established to stop the squillionaire billionaire just lobbying in and losing truckloads of money every year to uh, and just you know buying whoever you like and mm. just winning stuff without any sort of um, um, recognition to you know running a sustainable operation um, that's what it's about uh, and I think when you read the New York Times article and talk to people who know about this issue in a lot of detail, um, that's pretty much what Manchester City's been doing. But they have then been obviously using the the me- me- mechanics within the City Group to arguably, um, the journalists say, to um, hoodwink the financial fair play system. That's what it's all about. 
Lazio have claimed the Coppa Italia following a thrilling 2-0 victory over Atalanta. Lazio broke the deadlock on 81 minutes through Sergei Milinkovic-Savic before Joaquin Correra added a second. Lazio had lost two of the previous four finals to Juventus, but this time managed to add their seventh title. And in Holland, Ajax went some way to easing their Champions League pain, winning the Dutch Cup with a 4-1 win over the Graf Schalke. double for them. Yep, in the league they have also pulled away from PSV. They're three points ahead with a game to play, but they have a plus 14 goal difference, so that's the double. I know there's a few of us around this table who have watched Sunderland Till I Die, and anyone who has will know that poor Chris Coleman's having a pretty rough time of it as manager. He's recently been at Chinese side Hebei China Fortune. One win in nine games has seen the fans hold up a sign. Hello, Mr. Coleman. Please go home. You're fired. The uh, ownership have done so, and he's on his way. At least they're polite about it. Hello. China. Have you watched China. this? Have you watched this particular uh, series, Sunderland Till I Die? I have, yes. The first time I was ever described it, someone said it's a it's a car crash in slow motion. That's how it was described. But when you get into it, I actually really enjoyed it. I it's fascinating. I think I, it's fascinating. I still want to know where they call it the Stadium of Light when it's the darkest place on earth. They're passionate fans, aren't they? It's dark up there pretty yeah, quick in winter. What, 10.30 in well, the morning, well, the light but, comes up. But and just talk about that. Day we were up there, 3.30 in the afternoon, yeah. it's cold. Portsmouth and... Um, and, uh, yeah, Portsmouth and Sunderland playing against each other yeah. and broke the record at Wembley, yeah. like 85,000 last time out. So. Yeah. And a local one to leave you with, guys. Over 200 games of Bundesliga experience will be joining the A-League next season with Swiss defender Pumann Schwegler joining Western Sydney Wanderers. 32-year-old Schwegler joins directly from Hanover, one of his four Bundesliga clubs. He has four Swiss caps to his name and will join Daniel Georgievski in a reshaped Wanderers defence. The rebuild at Western Sydney begins, and Daniel Georgievski... I like Daniel Georgievski. I'm a bit disappointed he's left the Newcastle Jets. He'll be a hard one to fill. A hard player to replace, I should say. Mm, absolutely. Well done, Willem. Thank you. Good stuff, Willem. Cheers, guys. All right. Rob Tanner. Always good oh. fun talking to Robbie. Well, Robbie Tanner from the Leicester Mercury. After the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. And it's always a good show when we talk to the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury after what an incredible end um, we've all witnessed to the football season over in Europe. Rob Tanner, welcome back to the show, mate. Uh, good day, guys. Yeah, now Edge's got, he just, he's just champing at the bit. He's going to Well, Rob was there. Rob was there uh, a couple of games to go before the end of the season. Uh, Leicester went up to Manchester City and Vincent Company let loose with a thunderbolt, a bomb, as they say. Um, I think he scored only two or three goals in a couple of years, uh, Vincent. So was that the moment, Rob, that got Manchester City home uh, for the Premiership? Well, yeah, it, it is a crucial moment, there's no question. And uh, what you guys probably couldn't tell on the TV watching the game was um, the nervousness, tension in the crowd. Mm. Um, there was a very partisan atmosphere and they were really trying to put pressure on the officials because they knew how momentous it was. And Leicester City had a reputa- reputation before that of um, causing a few upsets against the big boys. They you know, got a point at Anfield and uh, you know, they'd beat Man City at uh, the King Power Stadium over Christmas. And so it was a real... Um, concern for Man City and uh, I think all the Liverpool fans thought if Leicester City could do them a favour and just frustrate them as well as much as they frustrated them at Anfield um, then that could be the uh, the turning point in the title race but then Vincent Company steps forward smashes one in from 30 yards he's never done that in his career before and uh, and, and Man City march on I mean even when Brighton scored first on the mm. final day of the season 
you never really thought that they were going to let it slip. For about that, 60 seconds, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but they've just got so much quality. I mean, it's, it's remarkable that um, Liverpool can go a whole season with just one defeat, pick mm. up 97 points, and not be champions of England. Yeah. It's, uh, that must be a real sickness for them. But there was nothing more that Jurgen Klopp and his men could have done. And all the Liverpool haters are taking great delight in that. I know Edge talks about the excitement of the company goal, but uh, you sort of almost felt like there was a sense of destiny when when Burnley were doing so well against City and that um, that goal line technology goal of Aguero is just uh, millimetres just uh, uh, gave them the, the points that they needed to get um, you know the uh, keep the, the margin of, ahead of Liverpool. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's, there always is these little moments during the season. Um, I mean, obviously you've got to be a good side anyway, but you always always need that little bit of rubber of the green at important moments as well to get yourself over the uh, the finishing line. I think Liverpool will reflect on um, points dropped at the various stages mm. of the season uh, when they were held to, to draws. Um, that might prove to be costly for them because they had a great lead going into the second half of the season mm, uh, and they let it slip. But you've got to give Man City all the credit. They're just a phenomenal football team. They certainly are. What's been your highlight of the year, Rob? Um, just personally getting around doing your beat with Leicester City, but what's the? is there been something that stood out to you that uh, has been very memorable? Well, this season, from a Leicester City point of view, has been um, uh, marred by the, the death of the, the chairman in the helicopter crash mm-hmm. in October. Uh, and uh, it's not um, some, something like that will stay in my mind for all the right reasons, I suppose, but... Um, you know, seeing all the tributes outside the, the stadium, um, you can walk really on the on the pavements around the stadium. There's so many football fans that turn up and lay flowers and and uh, shirts and scarves everywhere and flags, and uh, that was particularly poignant. Uh, poignant, and uh, I, I, I think from a Leicester City point of view, I think everybody was just quite pleased to get this season over and done with now, and uh, and to start looking with great optimism towards next season now with mm. Brendan Rodgers because they did finish. Uh, particularly well, but from a football perspective, I, I think the uh, the last week has, has been last couple of weeks have been absolutely incredible. Um, just to watch them as a football fan, to watch the Champions League comebacks and again um, last night, you know, the derby against Leeds. I thought derby were dead and buried. Yeah, they? good lad, mention those derby boys. Uh, That's what I like. And, and they. And they're in the playoffs now, and uh, I'll be rooting for them because they're up against Aston Villa. Hey, Rob, what, uh, what's interesting, uh, I was talking, I think we were talking earlier in, in, in this uh, in a different segment, and we're talking about, in my lifetime in the last two weeks, I can't think of ever a two-week period where there's been that much drama and significance, especially with British football. And even even like last weekend here in Australia, even the semi-final between Perth and Adelaide, they joined in. They said, well, listen, it's, it's going off over there. It's all drama. And we ended up with an unbelievable 3-3 draw that ends up then, I don't know how many penalties. I think there was five or six penalties saved in a row. Just went going on and on. So the drama, I can't think of any other time in my lifetime that it's been like this. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it's been uh, it's been a perfect time for the comeback kings. Every time you think a side is down and out, they come back fighting. I mean, I suppose that's always been indicative of, of British football in general. Um, but um, we've seen it really to come to the fore in the, the last few weeks. I mean, the sides that just don't know when when to quit. I mean, in Liverpool, they did it. What an unbelievable job that was against Barcelona and Anfield. Mm. But only then Spurs to go and do <laughs> even better, I thought. Yeah, I me too. Yeah. 24 hours later, um, to come back with you know, three, three down in the tie and then score three in the second half. And the last kick of the game, pretty much, to, to go through. That was just a phenomenal experience. And they did it without Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you think with Harry? Do you think... Uh, if he's fit, will he be on the bench, or do you think he will start? 
Well, he's such a talisman for them that if he's fit, he's going to play, he's going to start. Um, but it all depends how fit he is. I mean, obviously, he's missed a big chunk of the season now. And uh, I think there's a lot of England fans watching as well. We're wondering what will happen to Harry Kane as well because they've got the Nations League final um, uh, in uh, in summer as well. And we don't the squad's being announced for that in the next few hours. So um, we'll see if he's involved. And the, the talk is that he will be fit for the Champions League final. So um, it's all depends on whether he's match fit because you know there's the difference between being fit and being match fit. So yeah, uh, it's interesting to yeah, see. Is he worth taking a risk? I think they need him. I think they need him, but on the pitch just for his presence. But Lucas Moore can't take anything away from yeah. him. He's been outstanding in his in, in Harry's uh, absence. So would you would you just bring would you keep him in and would you play Kane and Moore together? Yes, I probably I probably would. I mean, it looks like Son's just had a little dipping form yeah, yeah, uh, at this time because he's had a few injury concerns. So perhaps that's um, something that um, Pochettino will look at. But I think Spurs will just be. Um, I mean, obviously they're there to, to try and win it, but uh, I think they'll be so shocked to, to get to that final because I, I didn't see they were they were capable, especially when they lost Harry Kane. But they've defied the odds. And while we're uh, talking about injuries in the other European final, uh, Chelsea Arsenal in the in the Europa um, League um, final that's uh, coming up in Baku. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Now, what's going on there? He, he was playing yeah. in a charity game for the New England Revolution. So not only is um, is that um, looking like uh, counting him out of the uh, of the, the Europa League final, but also, as you said, the English... Um, uh, I mean, what is going on there? I mean, how does that... Absolutely. I'm, I think every football fan would be asking the same thing. You're in a major European final, and you let some of your players go and play in a charity game where the, with the risk of injury is so high. I mean... It's incredible. You're not playing on the same sort of pitches that you play on in the Premier League. There's, there's a risk of injuries greater. You know, you're not in the full tune of the uh, Premier League, so it's just um, defies belief that does really that um, they could let, allow one of uh, an important player, who's the an important player for them, to, um, to to go and do that. It's, um, and they'll pay the price for it now. That's bizarre. Now. Um... The FA Cup final this weekend. Uh, we're starting to see a bit of that magic come back. Uh, the uh, you know, Watford uh, journey, they um, you know that epic final semi-final against uh, Wolves uh, is uh, is one we'll never forget. And um, and Manchester City, you know, come in off the back of uh, of the the uh, the Premier League uh, uh, title. Someone's but, up there uh, at work. Yeah, very much so. And uh, but 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 also with they going of season, isn't it? <laughs> they're going for the trip. Domestic treble, but with the spectre of the um, the financial fair play um, uh, investigation, um, uh, looking like it might rub them out of Europe for next week. So, uh, so that's a big FA Cup with uh, with lots of stories around it. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's always something bubbling before an FA Cup final, and usually the finals themselves don't turn out to be particularly great games. We've just been sitting here talking about some fantastic games of football drama and all that. I mean, some of the FA Cup finals in recent years have uh, you know, been looking quite dull. Uh, but there is, um, there is a little edge to this one, I think, because of what's been there. And uh, they'll be desperate to, um, to deny Man City uh, the treble. And, and obviously Man City, they, although they did celebrate their title very well uh, last weekend, they'll be back on it because um, that's the way Pep is. He's the ultimate professional. So uh, they have got this spectre of the UEFA um charge hanging over them they've got to defend that against the um, charges of uh, failing the FFP and uh, and the potential of being banned from the Champions League for a season but uh, Man City is vehemently denying any wrongdoing there so um, 
that's going to be an interesting one to watch uh, as it plays out over the summer. Is that the uh, Christine Keeler uh, defence, Rob? Yeah. They would say. Oh, the O.J. Simpson one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob, just just quickly, uh, what about Brighton and uh, Chrissy Hewton? What's uh, what's your thoughts on that? I feel such a massive shame for him. Um, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, took him out the third tier, English football, all the way to the top flight, and uh, and he's kept them there. So, in terms of his remit, it would have been job done. But I think Brighton have looked at it, and uh, from what we're being told now, they're very, very ambitious to the extent where. One of the names linked has been Rafa Benitez for the job. There's been talk of an, an approach to try and sign one matter. They, they really want to go for it next season. I think they've looked at some clubs like um, like Watford, uh, like Wolverhampton Wanderers, like Leicester City, in fact, and, and uh, think, well, we should be doing more than just surviving in the Premier League. Um, so they decide to, to make a change and, and, and be quite ambitious with that. Uh, but um, it is a massive change for Suit, but I don't think he'll be out of work for long because he's done such a fantastic job there. Rob, uh, thank you yet again, mate. Um, you always give us um, a wonderful uh, insight into to what's going over in the old art. And, uh, mate, um, we're looking forward to another um, big tournament coming up soon, um, the the Women's World Cup, mate, where uh, your ladies, uh, the Lionesses, uh, I think they're going in as favourites. So uh, wouldn't that be good if there was an Ashes final in the Women's World Cup? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a sport that's really developed and grown mm. in the... Uh, in England over the last few years, and uh, you've seen some really talented young girls coming through now playing, and uh, you know it's, uh, it's going to be uh, an exciting tournament. Mm, it certainly is. Yeah, just the same over here too, Robert. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it'll, I think it'll be a, a bit of a watershed uh, event for women's football. I think it, it'll uh, get some great viewing audiences and crowds and atmospheres and images, and uh, uh, the sport rolls on. And just one thing as well, though, just always remember this: when it comes to major tournaments, it doesn't matter it's men or women. Never write off the Germans. Oh, no. That's right, exactly yeah, right. Unless, of course, it's in Russia, which we all did take some great Schadenfreude delight out of watching them crash out. Of the we did. Yeah. In fact, we were me and Andrew at the game, at the one, the only game they won. That's right. Two, Sweden. 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 Yeah. I've never seen a more deflated group of fans in the Swedes. They led all. They led until the last second, basically. They did. Mm. Rob, thanks again, they mate. They used to winning everything. They are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of things they didn't win, but we don't go down that path. <laughs> oh, don't mention it. God. <laughs> See you, Rob. See you later. Rob Tanner, yeah, Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury. We're going to stick with the European theme after the break. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes. This is a bumper episode of Box to Box. Uh, always good chatting to our mate Robbie Tanner. We're going to talk to Pat Lyons from Derby County after this, but wedged in between is uh, more talk on football on the other side of the world. But before we get there, we want to talk about our great mates, the very best of good people at Storage King. They are the kings of storage moving and more. And as we always say, there are a lot of people who are converts to storage. The population's growing. Even though the property markets come off the boil, you still need to store your stuff. Whether you've got a home that's cluttered or a business that's overflowing, you need someone to help you out. And if you just take that step of getting onto storageking.com.au, just make the phone call. You don't have to commit. Just make the phone call and just get the ball rolling and ask a question and just start to engage in what it just might uh, be for you. And you'll find that um, before you know it, you're uh, 
your solution will be at your fingertips with um, some great service from Storage King. They are, of course, as I said, the kings of storage moving and more. All sizes catered for from one square metres upwards. They specialise in commercial and domestic storage, easy access to your goods, high security premises. They have got the lot. Thank you to the great men of Michael Tate, David Scanlon, who started this business all those years ago, 25 years ago, just about. So, uh, Dino, you store there. Ed, you do. I do. It's the place to go. It certainly is. Absolutely. So, boys, Europe, um, we've already talked a lot about. Football well, I think story, talking storage, King, most probably Man City need it because they've mm. won another trophy this week. Uh, can't be, I can't remember a title race running so far deep with two teams way, way ahead of the rest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, credit to Liverpool. Congratulations on their season. They've obviously got a bigger fish to fry now with the Champions League coming up. Uh, but, hey Dino, how did we we, super, how did we go the Premier League table? Our predictions. Well, we could do that. We just got off the top. Then uh, it was it was a tight affair. Um, it was five points for the exact position, as we know. Two if you were in the top six, but in the wrong position, and the same applied in the bottom three. Also, the bonus of five points if you predicted who won the league. That was a big. So we'll start off. In, well, I didn't get that. So so Liverpool was Rob's uh, vote, and obviously we both went for Manchester City to win the league. So we started with a so you bump, came last, Rob. We were a bumper for 10 there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know what? I know that I at least had the kahunas to go for Liverpool when you two, with respect, did pick the lying no, fruit. No, I, I agree. Uh, now, <laughs> just, just, on, just on the lying fruit, Arsenal... F- <laughs> In fifth, in uh, sixth position was correct. So Rob got five points for that. Ooh. He also got Ooh. Leicester correct, Ooh. five points for that. But after that, oh, it was coming it, back. It was all twos. It's like Kiwi in the 1983 <laughs> Melbourne Cup. It was all twos after that, mm. and lots of noughts, and it was 22. In second place, I'll just go with Edge with what you what you got. You got the big ten like I did. Um, I got a five for Liverpool, and I got a five for Arsenal. Mm. I got a five for Everton. A wow. five for West Ham. Wow. A five for Southampton. You won. And some twos. No, no. You were actually having to move, and I was telling you this by code, yeah, yeah. that somebody just had to get a result, and it really got tight. So you got uh, five for Everton, five for Leicester, five for Southampton, five for Cardiff. Oh. So you're going, here we go. What's this about? Anyway, drum roll. 22 points to Mr. Rob Gilbert. 40 points to Mr. Michael Edgley. Uh, and Dino. on 45, come on, yeah. you beauty, <laughs> Mr. Dean Hennessy. i tell you what, not bad. Not cons- bad. Not bad, they do. Now, you and I are neck and neck, a bit like Liverpool and Manchester City. Uh, and uh, Rob, a bit like... Killer, Wasn't that drum roll supposed to be before was, the announcement? But you know what the killer with this is? If you looked at the league table and where you went, the number of times you're one place out, mm. both of you, massively like one you got about three, he's got about four. Mm. Then if it just was one slot, then it goes over. Anyway. I might start taking it seriously next season. So, look, um, so obviously yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Premier Don't League's be. obviously done, done and dusted. Obviously, the relegated teams, as we all know, is uh, Cardiff, Fulham and Huddersfield. Uh, the top four, as we know, finished with Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham, with Arsenal and Manchester United in fifth and sixth. Um, most probably notable Leicester City good run home under Brendan Rodgers I thought Wolves and Everton you know if they'd have had different spells especially Everton they were up and down but to finish really strongly Um, and I think Newcastle great comment there for Rafa Benitez you know not being really supported by the chairman but 
just a really, really good manager. Mm. The team's going down. Um, I think Cardiff City have re-signed uh, the manager. So, yeah, Neil Warnock's so, back. So yeah, he's committed, back. yes. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Now, obviously, the championship has been massive. Uh, Villa started off last weekend behind the eight ball and a, a, a Dwight Gale goal score, scored and started the game off. Two late goals, one from... Um, from Hurrian uh, and also from Tammy Abrams and a red card, Dwight Gale. Um, and that base, basically from that went into the second leg uh, on the on the Tuesday and West Brom won 1-0, but then went into, which made it 2-2, then went into a penalty shootout where West Brom missed their first two and Villa uh, scored their next two. Mille Jelinek from Australia, obviously, the... He a uh, great little finish, first touch, one touch of the game, and a little <laughs> stare as you pointed out to the crowd. Think it was something that's maybe between them. I don't think it was nasty, but he was pretty pretty happy without going wild. Um, but then um, there was a few misses, and really basically ended up with uh, Tammy Abraham scoring the winner for Villa to get them into the Wembley final. So then came to the Wednesday game, and that was Derby and Leeds. Derby, pretty well second best at home. I thought Leeds were good against Derby there. 1-1-0 one, one, in the first leg. Um, a, a Kimar Roof, 55 minutes. Great finish, but fabulous ball from the left. It was just just got just split the defence. Great little finish. And you'd have to be really positive as a Derby fan to think you can turn this around. You go then to Ellen Road, which is a fortress, 24 minutes in, you're 1-0 down, so it's now 2-0, and you can't really see as going anywhere. Anyway, great comeback. Manager, and this is what manager's about, he takes off a midfielder, puts Marriott on within 30 seconds, one ball in, goal. Marriott gets two goals, uh, Mason Mount, and obviously uh, Harry Wilson, and it ends up 4-2, Derby win 4-3 on aggregate, so great result for them. I know it's a bit... Uh, gun shy here but Sunderland and Portsmouth um, that they're a little winning 1-0 uh, and obviously it's the second part of the second leg and also with Doncaster is Doncaster Rovers 1 Charlton 2 so they play one plays on well tomorrow morning and Charlton and Doncaster play the day after for the League 1 final which, Saturday morning yep. which will be held on Sunday the 26th and uh, the championship uh, game between Derby and Villa will be on Monday the 27th, which is bank holiday over there. League Two, uh, we know where we are now. We have a playoff final between Newport County and Tranmere Rovers. Tranmere Mike, Rovers. Mike Dean's celebration. Did you see that during the week? Did you Rob? see Mike it's Dean? Forest Green. No, mm. Mike, Mike Dean's the referee, the mm. bold one. Mm. He's going absolutely... He's a Tranmere Rovers fan, and he's in mm. the grandstand mm. standing on seats just loving it as Tranmere got over the line. buzzing off it. But there was a bit of a pitch invasion at the end of that game yeah. as well. And uh, just got a, I got was a listening bit. to it on Twitter. Do you know, do you know Tranmere Rovers are one of my favourite teams? Do you know why? No. I live in Tranmere Avenue. Oh, there you go. So that's that. Um, so it's tr- <laughs> Newport Crown County against Tranmere Rovers. The other news was, obviously, I think we might have covered it last week, but Salford City did get promoted, which is obviously... Uh, the Salford? Uh, Salford's in Manchester. Is it? Yeah. So, so so all the Man United players, the Beckhams and all the, the you know, the, the, the class of 92, 
there's six of them were owners. Right, okay. So they've now, they're the first team to ever play in the National League in its first year and get promoted. No one's ever done what it before. What are they into now? They're in the second division. <laughs> Got promoted. League two. And Notts County, my old boys, unfortunately, have gone down. So... Where, where are they in there? Oh, they're going. They're going to now the National League. Oh God! So they'll be playing. That proud club. So they've swapped places. It's interesting. All right, boys. Well, um, Edge, you're um, going to be reporting from Europe next time we talk to you, aren't you? So um, it's all very exciting. That's right. You won't talk to me for a few weeks, but uh, when mm. you do talk to me, we'll be in the, the thick of the action in in France. Okay. Well, we'll say farewell to you at the end of stoppage time. Yeah. Eh? And uh, no, no, yeah. just I'm just not going just yet. Tribute package to you after we talk to Dino's mate from Derby County. Sensational. Well done, Dino. Good segment. Yeah, good. Enjoyed it. All right, stick around. More on Derby County next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. I think we might have saved the best till last this week with... uh, a special edition of Stoppage Time. The fourth official tells us there's about 10 extra minutes. And on the line is the under-23s academy coach of Derby County, Pat Lyons. Pat, welcome to Box to Box, mate. How exciting is it for for your mob? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, I think, obviously, everyone is uh, still bubbling over the moon from last night, all the celebrations, and the way the game went. Um, end-to-end and obviously finished off in style with us with us getting a, an amazing result. Yeah, hey Pat, we're, we're doing our 182nd program and in every single one of those 181 programs prior to that, Dean has um, spoken about his passion for Derby County and, uh, and to have him in the studio right now talking to you, it's almost surreal. So Dean, over to you, mate. Yes, mate. It was uh, it was a good one talking to you uh, last night at your time. Um, but what a game! Yeah. I mean, what a real. I suppose start from the beginning of the season. What a what a good start for for uh, Frankie Lampard and his staff. The gaffer came in with Jody and uh, Chris Jones, and uh, it was all exciting here anyway um, to to welcome them to the club, um, and we were excited to, to be working with them. And it's been a great experience ever since, and it's just. I can only describe it as a as a journey for for all the club and the fans and everybody that we've been on and um, and it obviously last night just epitomised it and obviously getting us all to Wembley and uh, one more push to go and hopefully we can dream a bit more. And also I think on 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 the pitch. Um... There's, you know, it's been obviously really, uh, from my point of view, especially the amount of young players playing in the team and coming on and affecting the game. It's uh, it's quite refreshing having a lot of young players in the squad. I think Frank's basically changed the age of the squad and he's brought in lone players and he obviously uh, with Harry Wilson and Mason Mount and Tamori that uh, bringing them in uh, get more legs in the team, but also obviously. Uh, looking at the obviously our academy players and utilising them with Jaden Bogle and Mason Bennett making a big impact uh, this season has, has, has been brilliant and for us in the academy we've had more players in squads this year more players on the bench um, getting minutes made, uh, Max Bird made his full league debut this year Jaden Mitchell Lawson got on against Stoke um, and there's been a, lots of interaction with training sessions every <coughs> day really um, that's given the young players an opportunity, which has been uh, a brilliant experience for all of us. 
Pat, it's Michael Edgley here. I was read with interest after the game. Um, Frank Lampard said that uh, the feeling he had after the game was right up there in terms of um, some of the achievements that he'd had in football. But he made special mention of uh, the position the club was in when he entered the club and um, his, um, his relationship with the, the fans and the community of the club. It, it seems like Derby has made a big impact on him as much as he's made an impact on Derby. I think definitely. I think you see that connection uh, week in, week out with uh, the way the supporters have been, home and away, with the players and, and uh, with the, the Frank and the staff um, and with the community. It's bubbling all the time in this sort of um, football city. Um, it's been really exciting year. Uh, there's been some unbelievable performances. Um, ones to get you on the edge of the seat where we've gone to premiership teams like Man United and... Uh, on a brilliant performance and, and got a result and shown that we can do it against Premiership teams. So um, I think if you speak to supporters and community around, it's it's just been a real unbelievable journey that has got everyone uh, excited and uh, looking forward to, obviously, um, in 10 days' time. Well, you've got a, a job ahead of you, haven't you? You've got the big brand, Aston Villa. They've been uh, chipping away at it all year like you have as well. And... Um, They've got uh, one John Te- John Terry in their uh, in their camp, so the two former Chelsea legends will butt up against each other. It, it just has all the ingredients of a very spectacular event. Yeah, definitely, it'll be uh, it'll be um, a brilliant game to be uh, involved in, um, one that everyone's looking forward to, um, and one that we can all be excited about. So uh, yeah, definitely, it'll, it'll be. It'll be absolutely uh, brilliant to be there. Just for our listeners, Pat, could you just give us a little bit of background as well? Obviously, we know you're the uh, obviously in the academy and the under-23s uh, manager, which is effectively the reserves nowadays. Um, just to give a little bit of a, a small snapshot of your career at Derby and also, because obviously I've worked with you there many, many moons ago, but also the fact of the playoffs and when we get to a final, then sometimes it doesn't quite go the way we want it to. Myself and, and uh, Darren Mossell have been here for 10 years now in the, in the academy. Um, and um, I've done the under-18s for five years and then um, doing um, the 15s before that. And then now the last four years I've been doing under-23s. Um, so we've seen a, a, a lot of experiences happen within the club, um, which has been brilliant for, for my development and uh, exciting to to be a part of and um, the experiences that we've seen um, on, the, on the pitch with um, maybe getting to Wembley and not working out or getting to the semis and not working out um, is all about is, is the game of the beautiful football is that sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't and hopefully uh, hopefully next week it, it, can, it can be different but um, I think we're always one of them clubs that is in and around it, um, getting in the obviously the playoffs or just missing out. And um, it's been a, a long sort of ten, eleven years, I think, since we've been in the Premier League. So um, it would be it would be great um, to feel what it's like again to get to get back to to the big time. But um, I think over that time, um, you, you've got to look at sort of the. the, the Changes that have happened, different managers have had, and obviously Frank's coming in and done a wonderful job this, this year. So uh, let's see what happens. 
Now, Pat, I don't want you to give me a diplomatic answer. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question. No there one, are, no one in England's listening. Okay. All of Australia yeah, is listening. Just Australian audience, right? <laughs> there are some teams you enjoy beating more than others. And with the history, not only of this season, but the long history between your club and Leeds, you know, Spygate, Marco Bielsa, and, you know, uh, many, many years gone by, it must have been just a little sweeter. Come on. Be honest. <laughs> It just, I mean, listen. Uh, <laughs> hey, Pat, 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 just, Pat just before you do, yeah. I listened to Jody Morris on the way driving in on Talk Sports, and he was quite explicit about how much it felt. So go on. He's giving, he's giving <laughs> you permission. Let it go, Pat. You, you, yeah. You're not you're good. He's all right, though. He can do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, listen, I think, I think, um, I think it's been an unbelievable achievement to get in the playoffs. Uh, been in really good form lately, and obviously other teams have, so... To go up against, I think uh, the two big, the big week that we had was Bristol City, um, Swans in West Brom, and to take seven points to get in the playoffs was um, an incredible achievement. Yeah, but it's Leeds I'm asking you about, not those no, other no, clubs. He's building, yeah, it, he's building it up. He's building it up. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously to get drawn in that game, uh, obviously it brings all the, um, the the different histories of what happened this year, even and obviously over the 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 Sort of decades that's been Don't going on between two clubs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, everyone knows about that, and that's, it makes it the, the atmosphere around the place is um, exciting. Obviously, last night I don't think, as a spectacle, the game could have gone any better for us to all enjoy. And the week we've had, or the two weeks we've had of the football comebacks, it proved again last night that football um, is an amazing sport and comes out on top and. Um, at 2-0 down, you, you, you're probably thinking it's going to take uh, an unbelievable uh, performance to get back in it. And that's what the lads showed. They were outstanding in their work rate and effort and the way they played with uh, freedom uh, and ruthlessness in front of goal was uh, just an unbelievable experience at Ellen Road that um, is a, a cauldron. And the lads uh, proved that they stood up to that and it was a, an outstanding achievement. Um, also, I just thought uh, of, of one other, I think it was 1975, famous Franny Lee and Norman Hunter going at it on the baseball ground. You've seen footage of that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, do hate leads. They say they do hate leads. They, they love it beating them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Pat, Pat, Dino was saying, and I'm going to throw him, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm throwing him under the bus because he's saying off the air, there's only one team I hate. And it's Leeds. And he was strutting. He's like a peacock fanning. And, and it's funny it. as well. My dad even's the same. It, like, even from when he was at Forest, they didn't like Leeds. And then when he went to Derby, it, like, notched up another notch. So, I don't know. It's something about Leeds. Anyway, it's... Uh, I suppose we're laughing this week. So, let's hopefully we get a result in a week's time. Yeah, let's all enjoy it. Yeah. Good on you. Hey, hey, Pat. Listen, mate, we're really grateful that you uh, that you joined us on the show. It, uh, um, it's uh, as you know in in Australia, there's a really strong and vibrant ex um, expat uh, community, and uh, yeah, um, and we, yeah, and there's there's a lot of passionate football fans of every club in this country, and um, and we're just privileged to have uh, you know one with such a proud heritage of your club um, sitting in the studio with us every no, week. No, no, no. Yeah. I need to get myself back out there again. Um, <laughs> I've not been for a few years. Mate, well, well, there's a warm yeah, seat uh, waiting for you. Well, you, know came, you know, he came here with Gary Bowie, don't you? Well, when, oh, he's up for that yeah, trip. Okay, when Gary came trip. into the yeah, studio. Yeah. All right, well, next time you come out, Pat, mate, we uh, owe you a big feed. Yeah, no, it'd be uh, it'd be wonderful. It's a, a beautiful country, and uh, 
one that I visited for a few weeks we saw a few places and uh, <laughs> really enjoyed myself. Dino looked after us really well, so uh, yeah, we, had a, we had a few good uh, times and some stories to tell. Yeah, and uh, hopefully to one local. day I can, I can bring the family back. Well, he, too, he would have taken, I'm sure he would have taken to all his favourite local tea houses and I'm uh, sure he did. <laughs> coffee shops. Yeah, exactly. uh, Pat, Pat Lyons, uh, under-23s academy coach of uh, uh, Derby County. Uh, congratulations to you and all your magnificent club, and uh, and good luck with the um, with the with the playoff uh, against Aston Villa uh, in uh, or the, on the uh, the bank holiday Monday in um, just under two weeks time. Thank lines. you. All right, boys. Well, Dino, there you go, mate. You've, you've uh, almost got it done. So, yeah, cross it. Long mm. way to go still. Right. Do you want to send a message to our favourite listener in Nottingham? Yes, I do, actually. John Beckett, uh, you know, we love you dearly, but it was very, very quiet in Nottingham <laughs> overnight. <laughs> I thought there was a power cut. <laughs> and, Michael, mate, it's au revoir. Au revoir, yes. Uh, I'm off to the FIFA Women's World Cup. We're um, going with a huge anticipation of the Matildas... Um, getting all the way through to the, the pointy end of the tournament. Um, very excited about this group. You could hear in our interview with Joey Peters earlier in the uh, show just how much it means to those uh, rusted-on committed stakeholders of women's we've football. Bought, we've brought the piano accordion into the yeah. studio. It's the yes, there'll be, a few, your there'll be a few baguettes consumed, maybe a little bit of rosé in a <laughs> sunny <laughs> sunny summer's evening in uh, in France, but we're there for some business, and the business is to, <laughs> to see the Matildas... <laughs> Go all the way in France. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> it would be, mate. You have a great trip, a safe oh, trip. You. Enjoy yourself, mate. And I'll be no. dialing in regularly yeah. just to let you know how it's going. Yeah, absolutely, well mate. Well yeah, done. Question. <laughs> Thanks, Nigel. Well done, Nigel. Nice little package there to farewell all the edge as he uh, heads off on his big jaunt. Until next time, join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other, quite literally, in a world game. Oh, ho, ho, ho.